break them down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. Exum has it blocked in the corner by who else? Derek, 2011 MVP, Rose. Everybody just streams out on the floor. It's a Welcome to a new edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. We are about at eight through the season. Every team's played about 10 games so far. So me and Nishan are here today to talk about the standings and just what teams have surprised us so far and in a positive or negative way. Um, so Nishan, I guess we can start with the Eastern Conference. Yeah, man. Uh, we got the Raptors in first place. Best record in the league. Uh, only one loss, 11-1. and one. How much have they impressed you so far? They've been very impressive. I, I think winning mentality is kind of permeating there. You see Kawhi and Danny Green coming in there, and the kind of the mindset is very different. And I think the best thing is Kyle Lowry is no longer the 1B to DeMar DeRozan's 1A. He's the number two, and he's thriving in that position. He's leading the league in assists per game. Um, and what is this resurgence of Serge Ibaka? I don't understand. <laughs> no, yeah, I never thought we'd say this word. I mean, that day he abs- on Sunday, he absolutely destroyed my Lakers. He was 14 for 14. And it was not only like he was taking one of those perfect shooting nights where he was just taking shots at the rim. He was making threes, mid-range, everything. <laughs> never thought we'd have a resurgence of Serge Ibaka this year. Uh, but yeah, like you were saying, so they brought in Kawhi. But I think what no one thought that Danny Green would have the impact that he's had there. Um, we thought he was just a throw-in and the trade for salary purposes, but his three-point shooting and I think just overall winning mentality that he had at San Antonio has definitely come over to Toronto also. And I think the biggest thing is going to come down in the offseason where I think Masai Ujiri like, made a good move by bringing Danny Green in, someone he, someone Kawhi has known since he's been in the NBA. And that, that might be ultimately what keeps him there besides winning. If they, if, he, if they do well in Toronto this year, which... At this point, I expect them to be the four forerunners in the Eastern Conference to make the finals uh, above who I thought would have made it, which is the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Um, and he has Danny Green, who's like a friend to him there. That might be a reason for him to stay. Yeah, it might have been a master move by <laughs> Masai where he only he acquired Danny Green along with Kawhi to, as a recruiting tool. So now Masai will obviously be recruiting Kawhi throughout the year, but he's got Danny Green to do the work for him also. And the um, thing I love about this team is the depth. I think we yeah. had all talked about how the, the Celtics have amazing depth, but like, I'm very surprised. All of these young guys are really showing up. Yeah, between, um, the, I mean, it's unfortunately Norman Powell just went out. Uh, I think he's going to be out four to six weeks. Mm. But the thing is, even if he goes out, right, they still have all these other young guys, Pascal Siakam, OG, then they have DeLon Wright, Fred Van Lee, like the amount of young people on this team that they have, and that they're good. So. I guess the one question we always have with Toronto, right, is we saw them be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference last year too. But it's like, what is, what's going to happen when they get to the playoffs? And hopefully now with Kawhi and Danny Green, people who won championships, that, that could change. So we'll see when the Raptors get there. Ultimately, Boston may have more depth than them in the playoffs because they're, they're still figuring out, whereas the Raptors have hit, uh, been on fire right out of the deck. But... I think now Kawhi and Diddy Green might get them over the top. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think the the, the Celtics moving on to the Celtics a little bit. I think their their mishaps are kind of expected because you you see everyone fighting for the same minutes now, which is kind of becoming a problem because a lot of these guys, you know, Jason Tatum, Ky- Kyrie Irving, even Gordon Hayward when he was with Utah, they're almost high volume guys, the guys who need to to touch the ball quite frequently. 
Uh, it's not like Clay Thompson where, you know, he touches the ball, dribbles 98 <laughs> times, and scores, like, friggin' 60 points. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, Clay's one of a kind. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know if you heard. Did you hear about how uh, there's so many rumblings that Terry Rozier is unhappy? Uh, now, wouldn't be su- that doesn't surprise me, right? Like, Terry Rozier early in the season came, said he's, like, he's still gunning for a Kyrie Irving job. Yeah. And then Kyrie Irving's like, I want to stay. Yeah. And now Terry Rozier's seeing his minutes, you know, not not he's not having those crunch time minutes where he can be scary Terry. Yeah. And I think this is the beginnings of a team that's just too talented to stay together. Yeah. I mean, it was bound to happen, right? Because Terry Rozier is finally, he's going to finally be a free agent. So he can go to another team, which I think we all expected. But for him, it, you understand where he's coming from because if he's going to be a free agent this offseason, he wants the chance to perform so he could show the um, prospective teams how good he is, which he's, he's hard for him to get with Kyrie back. So it's just like, it's just a tough battle that, I, I mean, we thought Brad Stevens can keep everyone happy, but it's, it's it's hard, right? Like you were saying, they just have way too much talent. There's not enough minutes and enough balls to like... <laughs> yeah, and, and Terry knows there's no way Boston can bring him back because at that money that he wants and to sign Kyrie to the five-year suit... $190 million contract, there's no way. They're going to be so over the roof, I doubt they'll be able to bring Terry and Kyrie back. Yeah, it was interesting because that's the same way I felt last year with Marcus Smart and they brought him back. But ultimately, Kyrie's going to need to get paid this year if yeah. they want to keep him. And the question is going to become, are they going to hand over the reins to Jason Tatum or are they going to like and let Kyrie walk? Mm-hmm. Or And I think that comes down to th- this year what their performance is like. If they underperform this year, yeah. it might be a reason for them to let Kyrie walk and just move in a different direction. Yeah, and I, I think we can both agree, right? Barring injuries, they have to make the finals in the Eastern Conference for because con- they were already in the Eastern Conference finals last year. And now with Kyrie and Hayward, barring injuries, I think that's the only thing. Um, if they don't make the finals, it'll definitely be considered a disappointment for this team. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, the other team that I kind of want to talk about really quickly is the Bucks. They've yeah, nice. totally changed what the identity of that team is. Yeah, yeah. I think we, it's always something that we talk about. We wonder like how important a coach is. Um, like with the Warriors, like they have all these great players, but we wonder like, oh, is Steve Kerr actually a good coach? Is he important? But I think we're seeing now, right? Like the same exact team, same exact roster. Couple moves they added: Ilyasova, and they drafted Dante Divincenzo. Couple of small moves, nothing crazy. R.I.P. to Dante Divincenzo's ankles. <laughs> oh, with C.J. McCollum, <laughs> yeah. Couple small moves, and but they're eight and two. And then it was simple as like, oh, we need to shoot more threes. That was like the biggest difference. And uh, Giannis is shooting more threes. Middleton, the whole team, and man, the thing that hurts me the most, Brooke Lopez has been looking so nice for this team. And I was like, the Lakers could have had, like, he was one, he wanted to come back to us, and we, I don't know why we didn't bring back Brooke Lopez. Well, I think you guys are opening up space for Tyson Chandler, that's fine. <laughs> oh, man. All he, he was ready to come back on a one-year minimum, and we, he, uh, whatever, I guess it happens. But I think the amazing thing has been that, you know, the, the identity of this team offensively is completely different. They're shooting threes. Giannis is not shooting great from threes, but he's feeling empowered to shoot so that players have to stretch out and defend him out there. He needs to keep working on his jumper, but I think every other player on this team has the confidence that they're not going to get penalized for shooting bad shots, which I think is kind of completely contrasted to Jason Kidd, which was, you know, he was kind of like ruling with an iron fist, and if you made mistakes, you were going to pay for it. Yeah. Especially with uh, Bledsoe, I've seen the turnaround with him. I mean, he's still not a great shooter, but I think Coach Bud has like you know kind of given him the a little bit more freedom. I think that's the biggest thing. Whereas Bledsoe can 
use his talents, which is driving to the rim and then setting up these guys open who are open for threes. Yeah. Um, They've been very impressive, but you can tell that the, this team hinges on Giannis, which is something that both Boston and Toronto, I mean, they both have they have their own guys there, but I feel like Toronto can keep, stay in games in the regular season, at least, without Kawhi, which we've seen. Right. And Boston can be pretty good without any of their top players. Right. But the Bucks, I feel like if... If Giannis misses a significant portion of time this year, they're really going to struggle. Oh yeah, yeah. That that whole team is run by Giannis. I mean, if, if he's not there, then there's they they have no shot of beating any decent team. Um, who do we have next? So we we got the Sixers. So they've been kind of like a mystery, right? What what are your thoughts on them so far? The Sixers are they have the, they have talent. I think they were. We talked about this last podcast. I think they were a little bit ahead of schedule. And I think this is truly where they are. They're probably, you know, middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference in terms of playoff picture. You know, Ben Simmons still has a lot of flaws in his game. Joel Embiid is, is a great player, but still, you know, health issues are lasting. And I think the biggest thing is they kind of flipped the, the game script as to what they had last year. They were a big three-point shooting team. They let their three-point shooting guys walk. Right. The guys who they got at the deadline with Ilyasova. And now he's now he's prospering elsewhere. With the Bucks, yeah. Um, and I, I just think it's time to give up on this Markel folks yeah, situation. Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's a combination. So they lost Ilya Silva and Bellinelli. I think they're definitely feeling the losses of those guys, and they replaced them with Wilson Chandler, who's already got hurt. He's always but that's getting, expected. Yeah, he's always getting injured, right? And then Land, they're, they're having to play Landry Shamet big big minutes. But I think you know, the biggest loss or is still the fact that they traded Tatum for Fultz. I think that's going to be something that's going to haunt them for mul- multiple years. Um, we don't know what's wrong with this guy. He's not saying he's injured. If he, At least he's injured and we know he's injured. Then we're like, okay, like he's injured. That's why he's not playing. Well, that's what his shooting coach is saying. His shooting yeah. coach is saying he's still injured. Yeah, on Instagram, like he deleted the comment, but he's like, oh, or Twitter. He's like, oh, he's still injured. Like a lot of you don't know that. And then well, like what it. injury? Like I know this is like shoulder injury, but like what is happening with the shoulder I, and why? It's, if, if he is injured, like is it rehab? Is that what he's supposed to do? Is he need to have another surgery? Like what's happening yeah. exactly? It's just one of those... The weirdest situations I think that we've been part of where we don't know exactly what's going on. This guy was a number one pick, looked amazing in high school, college, and then something just happened in that offseason after he got drafted. I don't know if it's the pressure of being a number one pick or something, but maybe this is why Danny Ainge traded out of that number one spot. I mean, maybe he knew something was there. Yeah, they did a confidence test and he just didn't pass the confidence <laughs> test as possible. Yeah, maybe he just thought Danny Ainge, like, Props to him. He's always outsmarting other GMs, and it seems like he must have known something was up that other GM or the Philly GM at that time did it. Yeah, the rest of the Eastern Conference kind of looks exactly how we would have pictured it to look. The Pacers are doing well, playing great game. Victor Oladipo is still yeah. playing an All Star level. I kind of did expect them to take a little bit more of a jump. They're seven and five now. I mean, we'll see as the season goes, but you know, I think, but what team would you expect them to jump over? Yeah, I feel like this is expect. Like I expected them to you, be the you, five. The yeah, five, they're four, a top five, five Eastern Conference team. Yeah, it just it's it's hard because these top five teams are all bunched together for besides Toronto, who's been out and out about the best. But we'll see. I did it. I mean, they won forty three games last year, so I did expect them to take a jump up to maybe 47, 48 games with the additions of Evans, McDermott, but. We'll see. Any other teams in here that you're surprised that are in or any teams that are not in the playoffs that you thought would be? So the biggest team I want to talk about is the Wizards. I mean, <laughs> for a long time, we've been, we've been hearing about the Wizards. I mean, the Wizards have talent. Like Bradley yeah. Beal and John Wall could be one one of the top five backcourt 
offensively speaking at least, yeah. one of the top five backcourt offenses. And they're just like not getting it done. This goes to show you what chemistry is all about. Yeah. I think we saw this last year, right, when John Wall was out and Marcin Cortel was tweeting stuff like, great team win, and like with the emphasis on the team, and John Wall like responding back to him, and then obviously they, they shipped out Cortel, but it seems like the issues that were there still exist with his team. And then out of all people, they added Dwight Howard, who's been on in his path, he has a track record of ruining the chemistry on teams, and they brought in Dwight Howard out of all people. Yeah, and now they have, they have the question, that who's going to be the leader of this team. Like, they clearly have to switch something up. I think John Wall and Bradley Beal, maybe even by the deadline, they got to try to move one of these guys. And I feel like John Wall pretty much has an unmovable contract at this point. I think he's like $35, $35 million Yeah, yeah, he, his, his Supermax hasn't even kicked in. It kicks in next year. Yeah, so $35 million yeah, next year then, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and then the final year of that deal in 2023. It's like $41 uh, million or something? No, 47 47 oh my God. <laughs> it's like, who's going to want that contract? That's that's half the, That's half your... Yeah, and he's still a young guy. He's only 27, so technically he should be in his prime and getting better, but he's regressing, which is like completely worrisome. You don't know... If a change of scenery could do, be the what he needs, but what team is willing to bet that our change of scenery will? Impl- you know who I think could maybe maybe like someone like the Spurs, like. But with that money, that's the problem. Yeah, really. yeah but it, it might be worth it for the Spurs, right? Because they never get free agents. I mean, they got Lamarcus Aldridge, but I don't feel like they're gonna get any free big time free agents anytime soon. Maybe with the Dejounte Murray injury, you don't know how he's gonna come back from the ACL. And we've seen like the Spurs are kind of like the Patriots of the like the NBA. They they believe, like, the Patriots took on Josh Gordon. Maybe there's something. They feel like they can take on these guys and their system and culture will, like, yeah. bring the guy back. Who and, knows? and the nightlife in San Antonio, I presume, is not that great. Because, <laughs> you know, John Wall likes to go out and party. Yeah. <laughs> as much as uh, his fans hate it, he doesn't care what they think. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to give a quick shout-out to Deep's uh, Nets. They're not they're a nine seed right now outside of the playoffs. But they've had, with the team that they have and the young people they I've, I've been kind of impressed with Karis LeVert Jared, uh, Jared Allen like they've, they've had some impressive wins so it's it's great that the growth that we're seeing with the uh, Brooklyn Nets yeah I definitely agree I think Karis LeVert coming from Michigan where we have you know we have two of the guys on that same team Karis LeVert was injured most of his college career oh yeah um, and pro- probably why he dropped in the draft boards but we have I, we have the Knicks have Trey Burke they have Tim Hardaway Jr <laughs> and I think the best player out of them is actually Karis LeVert because yeah. he he not only knows he not only knows how to take shots but take smart shots yeah, at least yeah. as of now which I don't see in Tim Hardaway Jr yeah and um, before we move on to the Western Conference I think the one thing this season that showed us is that LeBron's always the MVP, right? Considering the state of the Cavs right now, it's been 10 games in. That organization is in a complete mess. It's just crazy how LeBron held that organization together and somehow took him to the finals. And I guess this is why you, with all the drama that LeBron brings and all the gossip and all this stuff that he attracts, at the end of the day, you know you're going to have a good basketball team with him or at least a decent team. And as soon as he leaves, man, what a mess. Like, fired their coach within six games. Well, talk about no identity, right? J.R. Smith right? already saying, a trade me. <laughs> yeah, talk about no identity. Poor J.R. Smith. I mean, he's never right. But poor J.R. Smith. He gets told one game that he's going to start. The next game that he's going to come off the bench. The next game that he's not going to play. And they just have... They don't know what they're doing. Are they tanking? Which... Maybe would yeah. be the right move to do, right? Because like their, their pick but... is only top ten protected, so they need to be in the top ten to keep the pick. Exactly, and I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. But, <laughs> but, or are they trying to win? Because they they can't figure out what they want to do with these veteran guys. And now with Ke- Kevin Love injured, they, just, they they don't have any direction, and they yeah. don't have any guys that can lead the team. And I think a lot of the older guys are pretty disgruntled 
um, with the fact that they went from a championship team to you know what they are now, which yeah. is the worst team in the NBA. Yeah. Oh man, got a little Tristan Thompson said before the year, we're still the champs of the East. Someone's gonna knock us off. I mean, it's horrible. They're 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 losing by an average of ten points a game, which is you know not the worst in the NBA. It's second worst to the Suns, but it's pretty bad for a Cavs team that was in the finals. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, but all right, so let's go to the Western Conference. I mean, we have the Warriors, ten and one. It's kind no of, surprise there. Yeah, no surprise there. I think they, they, they always come out strong out of the gate. They'll hit their dog days in the middle of like January, February. Although this year, that's when Boogie may be coming, coming back. So this might, that might be what they need. I think no surprise here. We all kind of expect the Warriors to be. And every night, it seems like two guys are taking the night off so the other guy can shine and break records. Yeah. Like That's just pretty much what, what this year has been like. Anything you can do, I can do better. Exactly. As, just... you, as we saw when Clay broke Steph's three-point record. Yeah, Steph and Clay already with 50-point uh, games and KD's like casually averaging like 27 a game. Yeah. <laughs> just... I mean, big thing to look out for is, you know, he, he dropped a lot of 40 points against the Knicks. Knicks, exactly. yeah. Does that mean he's coming to Madison? <laughs> well, maybe Tw- Bush will take it. 25 in the fourth. That was it. That was that that was KD's best game, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have the Nuggets at nine and two. So they were, they had a hot start, nine and one. They lost last night to the Grizzlies, um, which was a surprise. Although Memphis has looked better, this is a team that with Conley and Gasol back. But what have you liked about the Nuggets so far? I think that their confidence is kind of through the roof, which I didn't expect. They're still a young team. Uh, Jamal Murray with Jamal Murray antics at the end of games, <laughs> trying try to get his fifty. As much as as much to Kyrie Irving's dismay, yeah. uh, but they look they look like a confident team that's healthy. I think they've taken a huge step defensively speaking. All they need to do is stay middle of the pack, and I think that their offense can carry them. Um, I, I I do expect some regression. I don't think that they're going to finish as the number two team in the West just based on how, how their team structure is and as the pressure builds on and as the games build up, you'll see injuries happening and I don't I don't necessarily think they have the the depth in terms of the 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 team depth that could hold them to being second place in the Western Conference. But it's all positives for, for the Nuggets right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing they lost from last year. Because they traded away Chandler, Fareed, Darrell Ar- Arthur to get cap relief because they extended Jokic this new contract. Right. Millsap was injured last year. He's back, so he's definitely helped them. I think there's more defined roles now because there's less depth. So all the players know. And this is all without Will Barton, who hasn't even played yet. Right. But and he's, he's a big, big offensive presence for them. Exactly. So I think whoever's there, like they also got rid of Moutier last year. There was just too many guards. Now Murray and Harris know like they're the guys. We're in the backcourt. Moutier's gone. So I think that's helped definitely with like everybody knowing their roles. But like you were saying, there is an injury now. Now they don't have that depth. Right. So we'll see what happens there. And conditioning. I mean, we always joke about how Jokic doesn't have the conditioning. Well, as the g- games build up, when they get to the you know 40s before the All Star break, you know, into deep January or mid January, that's really going to be the testing call for them. Can they can they last till they get the relief in the All Star break? And I expect Jokic to be an All Star player hopefully this year. I know the West is a little bit tough, but he's having a great season. Yeah, and that means he doesn't get that rest that you normally would if you were a non All Star. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, after Nuggets, we have the Blazers. So this is a team that a lot of people had doubts. I think <laughs> there's been now there's in recent memory, I've never seen a team like more disrespected after. I mean, it was granted like the way the Pelicans swept them. Yeah. So a lot of the teams people picked Portland to finish outside of the playoffs, but I think at least for the regular season, the fact that they have the continuity that they already have with Zach Collins taking a big jump this year, who's, who's been a revelation. So now they're they're pretty good. They're eight and three, and I think they'll they'll end up being a playoff team because of that continuity, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think there's a there was a lot of speaking of disrespect. I think there's a lot of 
speculation about how good they really were, but I think they just matched up really poorly against the Pelicans. Pelicans. I think they just they're, they're a team that's like guard heavy and they're they're big guys in terms of you know last year Collins wasn't where he is now, right? Um, and and uh, what's his name? Uh, Nurkic, right? He was hurt. Nurkic was hurt, so like it just they just didn't have that depth to guard AD. I mean, no one can really guard AD, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but realistically speaking, even slow him down or make it tough for him. And now that they're back together, I think they've taken a step forward. I think they have a little bit better power forward center play. I mean, I I don't see what's different about this team from two years ago or three years ago. Yeah. In terms of they have the talent, they have the continuity. And the question becomes: Is this ceiling pretty low for them? Because we've seen the talent and continuity. Is this is this it? Are they going to face someone in the playoffs? And best they can do is a second round exit. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think that ceiling of this team is capped, like you're saying, because everybody knows what they run at this point in the regular season. The thing is, like you know, teams coming off a back to back. There's the scheduling stuff doesn't always let you game plan. But in the playoffs, if you have coaches have two days to game plan for a single game. Then their ceiling is capped because we know with uh, Dame and CJ, like what they do, and even though Zach Collins has taken a leap, like in the playoffs, it's just a different animal. He's still a young guy. So when, the problem is like when they ran into a series like the Pelicans last year, when the other team clearly had the best player in Anthony Davis, and it was his coming out party last year. They, they, they that's what they don't have an answer for. Their, their ceiling is capped, but for a regular season, they're, they're um, they always have that potential. Then who do we have next? So we have like a bunch of teams at six and four now, like San Antonio, Memphis, Clippers, Oklahoma City on a six-game winning streak now. Um, any any of these teams that particularly interest you? Like you, uh, well, three Spurs, of the four Spurs kind of surprised me. Spurs surprised me because they've already had so many injuries. Right. Um, Demar Derozan is showing up. I think he's the best crunch time player right now in the NBA uh, in terms of just shots, uh, shots made. And he's he's kind of re- he's kind of shown that he was traded for Kawhi. Everyone disrespected him, saying like you know the the, the Raptors won the trade, and they they may have, but I don't right. think the Spurs got a bad offer. I don't think that it was as much of like a trade discrepancy as as it may have looked like. He's playing great basketball. He still sticks to his mid range game. Pop is an amazing coach because he plays to his players' strengths. He doesn't force them to do other things. Right. Um, and I'm kind of surprised. The only thing is. If we're talking about depth, I don't think there's any good team in the Western Conference that has less depth than the Spurs. And I think they're one injury away. I mean, Brett Forbes is playing out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. And they're one injury away from either, you know, LaMarcus or Jamar missing any extended period of time for them to free fall. Yeah, it's crazy how Pop finds these guys and develops them like Brent Forbes now. <laughs> Coming out of nowhere, he looks like one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, yeah, I think the problem with Jamar is the same thing. Like you are saying, in the playoffs, he gets disrespected because, I mean, he gets disrespected because of his playoff performances, but we forget how good of a player he is, especially in the regular season now. And that 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 Demarcus and uh, sorry Demar and Lamarcus combination has been pretty good. But uh, you know who I've been I've been surprised by the Clippers. So I think like what happens is when you play in LA, like same arena as the Lakers, no one really talks about you, especially after the Lakers got LeBron. Yeah. Um, they've done a good job of transitioning out of the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan like that trio era into like this current team of like players that they've been kind of like short-term players because they want to save their cap space yeah like Tobias Harris but they're still pretty good like they're, they're they've been winning games they're six and four now um they've definitely been a surprise I think people just write them off but I it's in recent memory I think maybe besides the Celtics I can't think of a team that's transitioned better between like a 
like a team that was all in and then now they have like this new team but they have like still cap- competitive exactly they have cap flexibility they have young players in general robinson and shea gildas alexander and it's deceptive how good they are because yeah they're six and four tied with all of these teams but they actually win by a pretty good margin they're like six six and a half games um scores they score six and a half games uh per game more than their opponents which is yeah. kind of deceptive because all the other teams around their their standings are like 1.2 points so yeah, yeah. the point differential is showing that they may be better than who who we've seen right uh which which goes to show us that maybe they have staying power like maybe they will make the playoffs or at least be at the cusp of it at the end of the season um i'm really i'm really surprised and in awe by Shea, Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's not putting up stats like some of the other rookies are. Yeah. But he's he's confident. He is almost like becoming a leader of this team, which is like kind of un- unheard of in a Western Conference playoff team as a as a as a rookie. Right. I think it's good for him. Like, I mean, Patrick Beverly's the starter for now, but we know he's not the long term option there. So Shea gets like a year to like kind of learn under Patrick, like Beverly, or like come off the bench and get his reps in, and then eventually take over. Yeah. And they they're. They've done some good moves. I think the biggest thing was like finally getting Doc Rivers to give up the GM role. I think that was a big thing. Yeah. Is then they finally were like, "Are right, you just focus on coaching? We'll take care of the personnel." Like some, they finally traded away Austin Rivers, right? And they got Gortat out of it. And it seems like a perfect move because even though they lost DeAndre Jordan, Gortat gives them exactly what they need for this team. Right. A good pick and roll player. Exactly. A guy who's out there getting rebounds, playing hard. I mean. Right. And they got rid of like a ball hogging player in Austin Rivers. So yeah. It seemed to have worked. Um, how about them Kings though, right? <laughs> Man, the Kings. I think there's a little. We we we've talked a lot about the Kings actually. For surprisingly, we've talked too much about the Kings probably this early season. I, I feel like every other day we're texting each other about the Kings, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah. Uh, man, De'Aaron Fox has been fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. I think we were worried about his shooting woes, but he's definitely improved as a shooter. And his everything is that we liked about him in college is speed and transition offense. It's translating now. Like, it didn't last year, but it is now. <laughs> yeah, and I think the, the team spacing is a lot better this year. Better than I expected it to be, be with the personnel that they have. I thought that the paint was going to be jammed. Aaron Fox is going to have no space to go. But he's really developed that almost Westbrook-esque, like, mid-range leaning jumper running full throttle. Yeah. Which I think is great because it stops him from going to the paint all the way. He's still a small guy. He's not going to take as much contact as some of the other bigger guys. Right. But he gets a nice shot that he's comfortable with. Yeah. I think the coach has done a great job there of not being feeling pressured to play Marvin Bagley as a starter because he's coming off the bench. Yeah. And I think that's really what's worked for them because they have the some of Vlade Divac convinced uh, Bielitsa to like not sign with the Sixers and sign with the Kings. Yeah. And he's been perfect for them. Like He's averaging career-high in points. And he gives them that floor space there they need at the four so that Willie Cauley-Stein is free to like just roam around and get dunks and putbacks. And they sur- and then they have other shooters like Justin Jackson and Buddy Heald to surround Fox. Like If they're on a pick and roll with Fox and Willie Cauley-Stein, they basically, have, they basically have three shooters. So it's it's been like a lethal combination. Yeah. And, you know, Bagley doesn't really fit in there, but he comes off the bench and he's free to like kind of lead the second unit and just score at will or like do what he does in the second unit and not right. affect the starters. Yeah, and I, I think there's some, some regression coming here. The... They've had a really easy strength of schedule early yeah. on. So I think when they start playing some of these heavy hitters in the Western Conference yeah. and, and even the East, I think they're going to... We already... Yeah, they lost, their past, they lost their past two games. So I, I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but this is a good start. They remind me a little bit of the Orlando team of last year where they like came out guns blazing, had an easy strength of schedule, <laughs> yeah, yeah. were making unreal amount of shots, and yeah. kind of came back down to earth. And so that's, that's what I expect with the Kings. But they're fun to watch. I can say that you know when I tune in on League Pass... Uh, 
I don't always just shy away from Kings games anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the best part about the first 10 games, right? Like, it's a small sample size, but it's still, like, enough to, like, make some reactions. But a lot of times we're making these... <laughs> we, don't, we can't really extrapolate the data because after, like, the next 10 games, they did completely tank and then everything just changed. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but you know what's funny? So we're going through the standings right before. So we have the next, like, couple teams. So Utah, New Orleans, Houston, Minnesota, all playoff teams last year, all on the outside looking in. Which of these teams do you think are off to a slow start? And which of these teams do you think it's like actually like a there's something actually going on that they're at risk of missing the playoffs? Yeah, so I, I think uh, the team that's risk of missing the playoffs, the easy answer is the Timberwolves, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's partially because of the, the, the nature of their organization right now. I think they have the talent to yeah. do it. I, I think they're like the, the Western Conference team of, of the Wizards, but more talented. As in, you can really see that their chemistry is holding them back. Particularly because they have no continuity now. What we were, we're talking about with the Portland Blazers of year-to-year continuity, they don't have game-to-game -game continuity because <laughs> Jimmy Butler is taking days off randomly. Precautionary rest. Yes. Yeah. And and so if they don't have day-to-day -day continuity, people don't know what their roles are, right? Like Andrew Wiggins doesn't have the keys to the offense if Jimmy Butler is there every other game. Yeah. Carl Anthony Towns isn't getting 25 shots every game if Jimmy Butler is there every other game. Yeah. The only bright spot on that team is Derrick Rose. Yeah. It's nice to see his resurgence, but at the same time, it's taking back stuff from Wiggins and uh, uh, Towns once again. Like him taking all these shots is taking away shots from uh, Wiggins and Cat. Yeah. So it's like, what is really going on there? Like Tibbs is like just trying to like you know give his guys opportunities and stuff, but it's not good for the long term team growth. So. I think they're gonna have to like eventually do what the Clippers did with Doc and like take away like the president role or something and just like hey like you're just here to coach like don't worry about like personnel and stuff like we'll take care of that. I would be very surprised if Tom Thibodeau uh, makes it to the beginning of next season as the head coach or the president of this team just because he's actively defying the the owner. Yeah. You know, he's actively How do you deny four first round picks? Like that just makes no sense. And I know that they weren't gonna be great first round picks. They're all gonna be at the back end of the first round. Yeah. But I mean if he really believed in his ability to draft like have good draft talent or good draft picks, he would have gone for that deal. Yeah. Um, Especially even, one of those picks was gonna be twenty twenty five when Chris Paul is gonna be done with his contract. Right. James Harden is gonna be in his mid thirties. Like, you don't know what the Rockets are going to be at that point. Yeah, like, that 2025 first-round pick is, like, very valuable. Because yeah. you don't know what the situation... Like, we seen, we just saw that with the Nets. Like, like over five years, even though the team might be good now, you don't know if, like, in five years, they could be the worst team in the league. Yeah, no, it, it would have been... A, like, I, I was very surprised by that offer because unless there's some quote-unquote deal done under the table, which, you know, happens in the NBA, yeah. it's, it's for, like, a one-to-two-year rental for, for Jimmy Butler. They're, offer, they're leveraging their future for a one-to-two-year rental of Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, the easy answer is Minnesota. What, what have you thought about the Rockets so far? I mean, they were off to a slow start, one and five, but now they're they won three in a row, four and five, on a little bit of a roll. James Harden came back. I think the biggest acquisition I don't know if you saw is they their defensive co head coach who retired in the off season. He now is coming back to yeah. the team, Jeff Bezelik. So their defense is struggling. So this might be their like biggest in season acquisition. This coach that's coming back. Yeah, I agree, and and I think. This is a team that needed to find identity early on in the season. I think their losses in the early seasons were players didn't know what their roles were. Partially Carmelo Anthony, um, especially Carmelo Anthony. But I think even the younger guys like Ennis and all these other guys that they brought in. Um, and I think they're starting to figure out, though, you know, this, this game, this, this winning streak is a little bit deceptive because they've beat up on some bad teams. Right, right. So the question will be when they start getting to the, the heavy hitters in the Western Conference. Like, I think they beat Cleveland and things like that. Yeah. When they get to those teams in the Western, the Nets in Cleveland, when they get to those teams in the Western Conference that are truly 
truly their adversaries, are they going to be able to hold up or is it just going to be them pushing over? That's a good point, yeah. We'll see. I mean, based on last year, we think Houston should be fine. Um, but you never know. It's sometimes these teams, they you don't. It's not always like bringing back the same passes, which they aren't, because they brought they lost some guys like Ariza. Yeah. It's not always the answer, but maybe this defensive coach is the guru that solves maybe. everything. And, and James Harden isn't cooking as much as he was last year. I mean, yeah, he's he's been great, but he's not the MVP. James he's not Harden. the MVP, James Harden. Yeah. Any other teams that interest you? Uh, closest. Yeah. The only other team I want to talk about really quickly, and this has less to do with this season, is the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. You know, Anthony Davis has missed some time. The Pelicans were surging early on in the season, like after the first five games or so. Yeah. Now they've regressed to out of the playoffs. Yeah. The question becomes when when does Anthony Davis, who's already MVP level in terms of PER and in terms of what his contribution to the team are, when is he gonna be disgruntled to ask to leave the team? Yeah. Is it coming at the end of the season? Maybe. It, yeah, know? I mean it, I think it's it might not be one of those things where he asks to leave, but by him refusing that supermax that they can offer him in the offseason, if he refuses that, that's almost like saying, like, hey, I'm going to leave. Um, they were a 4-0, then they lost six in a row, and then they won last night, against, but it was against the Bulls. So <laughs> I don't know how much that's saying. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard, right? Because if he wants to ultimately max out his career in terms of winning, New Orleans may not be the place because they're just never... It's not their fault. It's just that they're never going to be able to get the free agents to help out Anthony Davis. It would have everything would have to be through trade. Yeah. Um, it's so he might have to. They might have to trade him before because I think the things we're seeing now is no one. At, a lot of the times, these players don't get to leave. They're traded before they they actually become free agents because right. the teams don't want to lose them for nothing. It's just a it's just a bad situation for the franchise that's going to be hanging over them all this and this Anthony Davis uh, thing over every single win or loss. It's like amplified basically. Yeah, and it doesn't help that he's missed in games because of injury. I mean, yeah, it, he, they were four and zero, and he was playing like the bona fide MVP early in the season. He missed a couple of games, and now they're they're outside the playoff picture, looking in. It's only 10, 10 to twelve games in, so yeah, you know, it's not the end of the world. But I think Anthony Davis has to play. 90% of the games here here on for them to have a legitimate shot of being uh, a contender and we're just talking about the regular season right like what if he plays a lot of games in the regular season he gets into the playoffs and he ultimately gets hurt in the playoffs that's also another disaster so managing his reps is very important but I don't think they have the the ability to not to, they don't have the ability to not let him play and still be viable in the Western Conference yeah I mean he makes the whole team go without him then they're just basically a below average team so yeah, I mean, this is good to go through the teams now. I'm sure like by the time the next 10 games are rolled through, there'll be like a complete change in the standings because it's only 10 games, like we're saying, it's it's good to make reactions, but we don't know if this is what actually represents the Yeah, and, most, and mostly we see the teams that had been doing well do continue to do well because exactly. they have continuity and these yeah. new teams are sort of still figuring it out. Exactly. All right, man, we'll sign off on this pod and then on to the next one. All right, later. See ya.